Hello and welcome into another edition of Live from West End. I always say it's a very special edition, but this week it's a very, very, very special edition. Vanderbilt our most beat special. Um, Kentucky at uh, Kentucky this weekend, 24-21. Aiden and I both wrong on our predictions. We were so lackluster, so down bad in the podcast Never last week. Been more and they have rewarded wrong. us with a win. Absolutely um, phenomenal performance from Vanderbilt not only getting the win but also playing to the style that I have harped on for weeks and weeks and weeks in this studio they ran the ball well they played good defense they had two turnovers but they limited kind they embraced of the, the elements. bad plays they embraced the elements they took a ton of time off the clock they, they really out Kentucky Kentucky um, we've got deputy sports editor Andrew Wilf in here to talk about football with us guys huge win 26 game losing streak snapped um, obviously Got the, got the weight of that off off the team's shoulders. What did you guys think about this one against Kentucky? Absolutely. You said it right off the gates. You, you run the ball. Ray Davis, 129 yards on 26 carries and a touchdown. But to think about how tumultuous of a week the prior week was, South Carolina game was terrible. Um, Dan Jackson, he makes the statements Thursday, comes out Friday, ends up coaching on Saturday, and then he, they end up mutually uh, agreeing to, to uh, I guess, mutually agreeing to step back on Monday, and I'd say that whole week, yeah, no one was talking about football. It was all the lack of action from the Vanderbilt Athletics to do anything about Dan Jackson. And then when you see Vanderbilt, they had identity suddenly. When yeah. all the que- this was the most amount of questions that could have been loomed on West End, and everyone was saying is Clark not everyone, but people were questioning is is this Clark Lee championship culture really being. We rewarded? talked about it a little last week. We talked yeah. about questions. He needed about this Clark win. Lee. Yeah, I, I thought for sure you're right on Andrew in that. Um, there was a lot of questions swirling around this program for yeah, the last really. week, and there was a lot of negativity in terms of you know not only um, kind of what was happening off the field, but also you know what they had shown against some some winnable games. We thought yep. against against Missouri and South Carolina, and also the point that you had made kind of about that lack of identity and who was this team other than. You know, a, a defense that was going to give up however many yards to whoever quarterback. Um, and I, I, they stepped up and, and they showed for the first time in something Aiden we've talked about a ton: playing that four quarters, playing that complete, complete game, game, and, and yep. really um, carrying that that time of possession, running identity with Mike Wright, as well as a feisty defense throughout uh, the game. Which I thought was, you know, probably the, the biggest thing about this game was, you know, not only that it, that it was a win, but also the way in which they won that game. Yeah, because this wasn't a, f- this didn't seem like a fluky win. This was, we went out, we executed the game plan, we did what we wanted to do, how we wanted to do it, and we won. And I think that with their backs against the wall, at a probably low point for the program, at least exactly. this season, uh, in maybe the, in, in the, the past Clark few Lee seasons, era. yeah, yeah. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty inspiring, and I, I just, you know, I, I'm proud of them. I, you know, I don't know what that means probably nothing but I, I would say that as a fan no, that means as someone who's followed them don't, 
I am proud of them don't and, take the, that and the effort they yourself. put in. I would say the moment Clark Lee, I don't know if everyone saw it, but if you didn't, you should go to uh, Twitter and watch SEC Network post game to see Clark Lee get emotional about yep, that. Beautiful was the closest cool I to felt see. to Vanderbilt Athletics since they uh, went to the NIT run and lost to Xavier last year in basketball. That yep. was the closest I felt to Vanderbilt Athletics because there was a sense of community. There was a sense of everyone coming together and pride. One yep. pride, one goal. After a tough week, like you had said. And Clark said it in the, in the press conference. He he honestly got a little uh, emotional in the press conference, too, because it, it's not that they didn't expect it to be there, but it's more that to show that all the hard work and all the failures. Yep, and it paid off. Yep. Like, let's think about the small losses that you have. Missouri, what a brutal way to lose. I think this kind of um, nullified that terrible loss, and, and it's really heartwarming to see. And let's see if they can do that again. And Noah Roslin said it in his three matchups. I really think... The weather will be a good factor to think about. I think we should talk about it right now. You know, Mike Wright really <laughs> commanded the game. Yeah. I think the weather really played a huge part of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think for sure that that was, you know, um, an impact on this game was that it was cold up in Lexington, that the Vanderbilt held the ball for as long as they did, and they really focused on running as much as they did. I mean, they ran 44 times for 264 yards. This is something that we've seen Kentucky do time and time and time again, especially against Vanderbilt. So like that, I thought that that was really nice to see. And then also, right, you know, I said in my brunch, he made the throws when he had to. Obviously, yeah. he's limited in, in some ways as compared to Swan, but but he made throws on third down. He hit Shepard. Um, Shepard had five catches for 88 yards and, and obviously the huge touchdown at the end of the game. He yep. made that, that long throw down to Quincy Skinner. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that there was a lot to build on here in terms of um, – an identity on offense like you say and also playing kind of to the elements playing to the personnel um, and playing a style that was conducive to the talent that's on this football team yeah I think they utilized Mike Wright perfectly and I think that Mike Wright played passing a solid game very respectable one yep. of his better this season running the ball you didn't see it in the 59 yard touchdown because obviously that's a highlight you're not going to see it in the highlights but you watch this guy there were like several third and threes or second and threes where it looked like he was dead to rights and he had nothing and all of a sudden, he just uses his superior athletic ability, makes a couple guys miss, dives forward, and there's a first down, and the drive continues. Like, he saved drives on blown-up plays with his legs, and I think that as much as we love A.J. Swan, he could not have done that in this game. This game, no, right. this game was Mike Wright's game, and, and I, he proved it. And I want to say one thing before you, Andrew. On that 59-yard touchdown, um, Mike Wright was the fastest ball carrier in all of college football hitting 21.9 miles per Ridiculous. hour on that run. That's up there um, with all the NFL players. Yeah, I know. I mean, he was he was blazing down the field, and I think— That's crazy. I think for Kentucky, and like you mentioned, for Florida, when it's going to be cold again here in Nashville, I, I mean, I think you gotta you got to turn to him as, as the guy that's going to be able to give them the best chance to win yep. um, and, and play this style of football. I agree. And, Bryce, you said it on your brunch after the South Carolina game. Someone who's hot, whose uh, seat was definitely really hot was offensive coordinator Joey Lynch, and I yep. think that definitely cooled down. He— it was a flawless game plan. There weren't the moments I was frustrated was on the defense, which I think we should transition to soon. When you know C.J. Rodriguez has that, I think it was Rodriguez has that yeah, massive 70, run, seventy-two yard touchdown. Vanderbilt you know, fans are elated. You're finally gonna have that win, and then like the second play of the drive, they have a. It was a the first se- play of the drive. First yeah. play of the drive, seventy-plus yard uh, run. Yep. So that was frustrated, but you know all the. Cr- I give most of the credit of the win to uh, J- Joey Lynch and Mike Wright, and I'm really. Happy. Joey Lynch was much I'm better. I'm happy this for one. Lynch because Lynch even knew that that his seat was really, really boiling. Yeah. So, so turning to the defensive side, I, I agree. I thought obviously 
to give up a, a big drive late, to give up that big touchdown late to, to C.J. Rodriguez was obviously a letdown. But this was a better game from the defense, probably the oh, best yeah. that they played all season. And Definitely. I thought that there was some true individual efforts that stood out. I mean, you think about a guy like C.J. Taylor who was everywhere, um, you know, had six tackles, sack, one and a half TFLs. He had a, a really nice pass deflection um, in the end zone to save game, a touchdown. And, and the game ceiling interception. Right. Uh, he, he looked really good. Orgy uh, has been a stud um, all year. I thought Jalen Mahoney play, played a really nice game as well. I thought that there was guys, um, you know, maybe maybe uh, seeing the offense a little bit slower and being able to, to read and react faster on, on the yeah. defense. I thought that this was... Not only Nick Howell's best game as defensive coordinator, but also, um, you know, the first time we saw some some new characters kind of emerge, um, you know, on this defensive unit. Yeah, and I think one thing just to harp on, I, I've been impressed individually at certain points with certain players on the defensive yeah, line. I thought it overall, was all once. Great really point. cohesive performance, four sacks. But again, it's not going to show up in the box score. They were all over Levis. All over him. And the thing with, with Will is people, you know, before the season, everyone's saying he's a top five pick. Somehow he's still on mock drafts as top ten picks. People say he's going to Carolina. Fascinating. Which is crazy. I saw on CBS Sports they released that two days ago. And Thank goodness Kirk has turned it up because no, that feels like someone no. the Vikings would take. I mean, thank, I hope Washington thank, thank God the Bears have, have a quarterback. Field thank because God the Bears I would be absolutely livid. I'd be looking for a new team if the Bears were looking into Will Levis. With the Giants would consider you. They would consider you as a fan. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say Will Levis. No, no, no. You. Like, we would consider letting you be a Giants fan. I think I would go Cowboys, but thanks wow. for your Wow. That's slanderous. <laughs> that is no, slanderous. Go on, go on Andrew. Yeah, Sorry. going back, you know, Orgy had a huge sack on third down, and, and he's really been that captain of the defense. And when you have a senior veteran presence, it really inflicts on the whole younger guys. And I had the opportunity to interview um, Anthony a few weeks ago, and he's really said that, these younger freshman sophomores have been learning to play hard with this Clarkly regime. Just see what's going to be happening in two, three years. Because when yeah. you play against a ranked team in Lexington and you win the way you did, it wasn't like lucky. Vanderbilt nope. outplayed them for 60 minutes. And, you know, that's really assuring and it's really exciting to, to know that there is a future. Obviously, there's there's a lack of recruits. There's a lack of a skill there. But I think with an improved recruiting class and a few years more under Clark Lee's regime, these type of wins will be occurring a lot more often. A I don't predict. Win. I don't yeah. predict the 26 SEC game losing streak uh, in any time, any time soon. And I, I think great point, Andrew, on multiple fronts. Um, you know, someone that that I like to follow, ESPN's Bill Connolly had Vanderbilt at a 63.8% post-game win expectancy over Kentucky. Like like we said, this was no fluke. And I think, secondly, um, you know, just, just thinking big picture about this game, um, you know, Vanderbilt was able to get their SEC win. I think, Aiden, something that, that we had talked about in our season prediction when Andrew was in Hawaii and, and just kind of general expectations for this team was... To win one win one SEC game yeah. as progress. And I think not only was, you know, looking like stepping back, like I said, to get this win, it was also a tangible blueprint for how to do so. Like you said, Andrew, in terms of um, giving themselves, you know, a clear path to, to victory, I thought. And a fun thing to consider, I don't know if our followers know this, but Vanderbilt technically is still bowl eligible. So yep. we'll see when what out, happens. The quest for bowl eligibility <laughs> begins or Starts continues. Starts with, let me... Uh, yeah, let's let's look ahead for a second. Let me look at this real quick. The latest up to the minute 
We've got uh, a low of 24 degrees on Saturday. Wow. <laughs> this is going to be an 11 a.m. kick, just the second uh. one um, at First Bank Stadium for the entire year other than Wake Forest, which is also a weather-induced game. So I think, obviously, Florida presents a different challenge than Kentucky did. Anthony Richardson, Completely way more mobile. Yeah. Um, Levis, obviously, coming off the injury. But... This is a team that's, you know, from a warm weather state. They're not necessarily used to playing in the cold. They haven't done so this season. And they're not ranked. You know, they haven't been necessarily as good as Kentucky this season thus far. So I think there's an opportunity here for for Vanderbilt to kind of put together a similar performance. Does that mean they're going to win? No, not necessarily. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that. But I think that given kind of the um, play style that they established last week, if yeah. they're able to execute at a similar level, they're certainly going to have a chance in this game. You just keep building. We talked about it. And at a certain point, like, you lose enough games, it's like it's hard to continue to build off of losses because you're seeing the same thing over and over again. Yep. Now you have, like you said, Bryce, this tangible thing, this thing that is real, a win. You keep going forward with that. Oh, maybe you lose to Florida, but you continue to do what is right for the team and what gives you the best chance of winning, and it is going to affect the program for years to come. And Aiden, you make an excellent point. And just to add on to that, you know, you see a lot of losing teams when you have a five-game losing streak kind of give up in the system, stop believing in the coach, and especially when there's so much turmoil and, and negative opinions on, you go to social media last week with the Dan Jackson situation in South Carolina, there wasn't one good thing said about Vanderbilt. Maybe the running back room. Maybe. That was the one thing. But no one was focusing on that. And to see them uh, be resilient and come back was really such a defining program win and yep. really exciting f- to be a Vanderbilt student on Saturday because I'd say the whole world thought we were going to lose that game. I got so many texts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, my dad literally called me at whatever, like 201. Like 17 the second and a half the game point ends. underdogs. Like yep. that doesn't happen much. Yeah, and I, I think you're right, Andrew, kind of to, to take a, a positive spin to, to the back half of the season was was really sorely needed. Um, and, and like we said, we'll see how it translates to Florida and, and how Vanderbilt's able to, to stack games on top of this because that's the step from here, right? We got our one SEC win. We kind of met the expectations that, that – Aiden, we had talked about. Yep. Um, now for Vanderbilt, it's about putting together good performances and showing something the rest of this year so that there's um, a clear outlook for next year and a clear expectation of what this team can be. For sure. All right, Andrew, great stuff. Thank you. We're going to shift to basketball now. Um, we've got a lot of content both on the the men and the women. The women, sorry. Um, so men... We'll start with them. Um, got their first win of the season on Tuesday against Temple. Yes. That was exciting. But um, comes with the caveat that they were 0-2 coming into uh, into the game. First thoughts against Memphis we had talked about. Really, you know, not huge shame in that, although Memphis did lose to St. Louis this week. Second game against Southern Mississippi on Friday. That's I was where the there. shame comes. Uh, not a good one. Nope. So we'll start, we'll start with that before we get into the positive. Yeah, I don't know. I mean— just watching this game, they could do nothing offensively. And it felt like from the jump, I think we, we talked about it uh, last time we had a meeting, but they put their, not their best they five players being on the too court. Cute. They're too cute. Exactly. Why do you do that? Why, why not put the best players on the court to start? Put the yeah. five players on the court that are going to give you the best chance at winning. I understand, like what what was trying to go in the on objective there. Like, the, like is the obje- clear, yeah. you know, like Stack is sending a message, like, look, if you're not going to be out there, if you're not playing hard, then I'm going to switch you up, and everyone is kind of. But it's also like those guys; those are some of your leaders. I, I, veterans I don't, too, like veterans who like. Why is Jordan right? Like, 
I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but Jordan Wright does not seem like the kind of person who um, needs to have that message sent to him, I guess. I don't know. I, I, it was a sluggish start. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, when did it pick up as well? It didn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, it felt like there were door openings. It felt like consistently the door was slightly cracked, but never able to actually open it up. Yeah. So I think a couple of points and, and, Sam Curtis, our sports copy editor, joining us now for yeah, basketball. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think that, that Stackhouse has done this in the past where he wants to send a message and he wants to start guys who graded out better defensively, and, and that's what he went with. I think that he felt he had a little bit better of a chance in this one to come back and, and to turn things around by doing so. And it seemed like from the coaching staff on down for this entire game that this was you know, not a a vital non-conference loss, but rather it was being treated like one of 82 games that Vanderbilt was going to play this year in their six-month schedule. But I think if there's one real gripe that we can have with Stackhouse early in these seasons, it's been that this is not an NBA schedule. You know, you, you can't wait until January every year to Everyone start turning, yeah. turning it up. This is the thing that a committee holds against you. Right, man. and a, a home loss against Southern Miss, though, I think something that's helped Vanderbilt over the last week is that there's been a lot of teams in college basketball um, dropping these cupcakes for whatever reason. Um, but a, a home loss against Southern Miss in November is, is going to hurt you for the entire year, and something that I tweeted and, and got a lot of flack for was, look, you know, there's 28 games left, so the season's not over, right, by any means. But but this loss against South Car- or, uh, Southern Miss, sorry, um, necessitates that you go win, you know, at Kentucky, yeah, at Tennessee, yeah. uh, at Arkansas, or, or even, you know, maybe home against Kentucky to make up for this loss at some point down the line. And, and in doing that, you've put yourself in a hole on um, November 11th. And I think that's, that's you know, I also a don't big takeaway from this one. I don't think like the, this team was also just going to coast to uh, NCAA tournament like appearance. I think that's yeah. necessary to say that like, I, I don't, you know, I don't think this kind of, this kind of letdown was like they needed it to, to make it, but you know what, hopefully, hopefully it's a wake up call. Cause I don't think they were just going to go through the season and start winning those away games that you were talking about. Maybe this sends them a message like, Oh, now we have to go win those. It was always going to be the case, but I agree with what you said. And I think about the minutes breakdown. Jordan Wright only is playing 22-59. Like, he should be playing 30 minutes in that game if you're losing. And and, and another thing to think about, it made the tempo game pretty much like a must-win game um, for for them to not lose the locker room. Yeah. Um, You see see this offense, and I think they're still developing it is. Jordan Wright is a leader. I think he's a great player, but he's an introverted person. He's an introverted player. Scotty was too, but he he was able to drive it and be that guy. I think Vanderbilt, the first game, the first two games, they were looking for someone to play an ISO good ball, up, yeah. be be that guy, and no one was able to do it. You saw it in Memphis, and then with Southern Miss, you know, Vanderbilt was really never able to come back. They just were passive the whole time, and I think that that goes both the coaching game plan and also I think the roster. Uh, they just have no experience together with this gel. Um, there's a lot of there's a, y- a lot of young freshmen that are incredibly talented, but their Stackhouse doesn't want them playing that much yet, and he admitted that in, against the Memphis game. Yeah, and I think that Sam makes a good point. Um, you know, maybe they if there's a positive spin to put on this, it's it's that maybe they needed this to kind of kick them in the Wake ass up, and, yeah. and get a fire under this team because aside from everything we've said, kind of culturally and off the court, they shot three of twenty five from three point range against uh, Southern Miss. 
and, and, and shifting wasn't much better that game Memphis was wasn't better. better either but that's what I'm saying shifting to to Temple um I, I thought better. you saw more not only of the the effort that Vanderbilt was able to bring but also kind of how that led to um better looks to the offense better shooting better ball movement um and like you said a chance for Jordan um, after seeing what had happened in these first two games, Jordan Wright to kind of be that alpha that this team needs and has been missing with the loss of Scotty. And then also, I thought the developing story of the second half, Liam Robbins to become kind of Took that, over, yeah. that Robin. But I'm going to be a little bit critical here. You're, you're right about everything you're saying, but with five second, 10 seconds left in the game, I do not understand what the play call was. <laughs> it was Jordan like that, a yeah. post fadeaway. And with Scotty, he would have driven. And even last year against Alabama, uh, when Vanderbilt played them, Jordan at least drove and tried to get a layup. Uh, you, you just got to wonder what happens there. And that was just a microcosm to the team I feel right now. No one's com- comfortable being that guy because, you know, Jordan takes the ball in the post and fades away. That's such a low percentage shot. Yeah. You know, look for a foul and or, or go for a three-pointer with Miles, who had a, a terrific game, 21 yep. points, seven three-pointers. Yeah. Oh. Um, so... That, that was just something that I'm going to be cynical about moving forward. And I just wanted to like throw it back to what Bryce said. is like sh- The shout-out for Liam Robbins is so important for um, what this team can do down low. Yep. Like Liam, Liam Robbins in the Southern Miss game, 0 for 3 from the three-point line and 0 for 5 field goals overall changed that. He didn't take any threes, but he was 9 for 11, and you hope those threes, because he's a guy who can shoot. Like in kind of as you get into the season, get into mid-season. Get warm. If, if you, you have a seven-footer hitting threes, obviously, that's like, I mean, that's the kind of stuff you see in the NBA from like Embiid and Giannis and Jokic, those guys who can do it all and then facilitate. And if you can have someone like that who then you compare with um, QMB, who is also a great facilitator and a really good team guy, um, that is a deadly pairing of great veterans down low. Yeah, I think... I still think Liam Robbins is the most physically gifted and and overall like the most talented player on this team. And I think that if I had to guess, he's going to be the guy going forward. And I was a little concerned after the first couple games because I felt like he just wasn't confident. Yeah. And I I didn't get to watch this game because I don't subscribe to ESPN Plus, unfortunately. (laughs) But just looking at the stat sheet, looking at how he kind of took over in the second half and in overtime, uh, three blocks, 20 points. It looks like he played with more confidence, and that is encouraging to see, and I think something that he'll take forward with him a- as we move forward. Well, that's the hope, right? And I think that something we talked about and, and searched for on this deep roster in the preseason is, you know, who's the X factor for this team? Who's this guy that's going to jump out that's yeah. not, you know, uh, not someone we're expecting? But, you know, maybe we have to recalibrate and think about X factor in terms of the guy that's sitting right in front of us, Liam Robbins, the seven footer. If he's going to give you 20 and nine and, and be a problem down low and, you know, shoot nine of 11 from the field, I think Vanderbilt's going to have a much better chance yeah. to win a lot of games. If he's going to do the exact opposite and go 0 for 5 from the field, like you said, Sam, and, and kind of be non existent, I think Vanderbilt's going to lose a lot of games. So I think fi- for him, finding some type of happy medium, obviously. Vanderbilt will want him to play like he did against Temple in every game, but they need his floor to be higher than what it, what it was in the first two games to give themselves a chance because having that one-two punch between him and Jordan really opened up the offense and I thought allowed space for a guy like Studi. And I want to add, too, um, you know, Vanderbilt not... N- we weren't thinking it was going to be a great three-point shooting team this year, but you also didn't have two of your better three-point shooters in Trey Thomas and Colin Smith in this game, yep. and you were still able to get a bunch of open looks for basically one guy, Miles Studi, who went 7 of 10 from beyond the arc um, and still shot 50% from behind the arc with 
you know, what Ron was able to do in terms of opening up the floor. Defensively, I was a little worried. I forgot the guy's name, but I think number one on Temple had uh, 38 points. Damian Dunn. Yeah, Damian Dunn. I mean, he just, he went crazy. He just torched us in it, and he just kept going down. And then also number four uh, kept picking on QMB. So I'm a little bit worried about what's going on um, in Vanderbilt's front court uh, defensively. Yeah, and, and sorry to just change up. I'm, I'm talking about like the keys to success for this team. Obviously, defensively, um, that is concerning. I'm still overall just not like you know i've seen enough from those guys to be to be okay um i just wanted to highlight the importance of like playing team basketball we talked about um how is this team gelling like when they when vanderbilt beat temple and i know they had ot but they had 23 assists in that game compared to seven in the southern miss game and 14 was way better completely different and not to mention the points off of turnovers the only game that Vanderbilt has won the points off turnovers battle was the Temple game when they won and against Southern Miss it was 18 to 3 I mean that is that's a formula for losing the game it's the same thing in in football if you want to lose a game you lose the turnover battle and you lose points off of turnovers and that's very clear here in basketball Vanderbilt has to just play smart and yeah we talked about the they're you know maybe not um, driving enough but like you need to be able to take care of the ball and move it well, and that's the formula for winning for this team. Play team basketball. Yeah, I think this isn't the exact type of team that is going to run the pick and roll perfectly the way that they did with Scotty. It's a different team, and getting out in transition and using those turnovers and getting those extra, you know, 10, 12, transition is huge point 15 even, yeah. points is key because it's an extra 10, 12, 15 points that they just didn't get against Southern Miss. Yeah, so I, I think interesting for this team coming up, you've got a game on Friday against Moorhead State, who's kind of similar range to a Southern Miss. Yep. How's Vanderbilt able to handle that? And then you're going to play your toughest game of the entire non-conference the night before Thanksgiving um, against St. Mary's. You know, those next two games are going to tell us a lot about this team, and I think we've we've said a lot about both the you know the negatives and positives, and there's still a lot to learn. Obviously, they've only played three games. Um, shifting to the other side, I think. A team we have a lot more confidence in, and a team that we feel like um, maybe probably has a, a few less holes too, yeah. is the women's team. Um, so the women's team out to a four and zero start, uh, crushed Stanford, crushed Tarleton State, went on the road and beat Western Kentucky, went on the road and beat Columbia. Um, they're down three starters, which we had talked about in the preseason. But I think that this team, by all accounts, has has really exceeded expectations thus far, and, and has done. Um, a really nice job in year two under Shea Ralph. I think this is a team that we talked about before the season that was like, it was looking like they might have been devoid of talent. Like, yeah, they lose Brene to the transfer portal. Which, through no fault of their own. Yeah, really. no, and then season-ending injuries um, is really bad. However, they have looked fantastic. I mean, looking individually, Sasha Washington has been really good. She is commanded on the inside. Nobody can really guard her one-on-one. You just look. She opens up looks for the rest of her team. Um, and Siaja Harbison, sorry if I butchered that, still don't have an SID <laughs> to let us know how it's pronounced. Um, she's looked fantastic. She's been everything advertised and more. She is super athletic, really good at getting to the rim, and also great defensively, averaging three steals a game. She's an absolute tone setter up yeah. top. I, I don't want to... Um, take away from what the players have been doing whatsoever because it's been amazing to see and they've made up for so much but I I know this is shared among everyone here but I just Shay Ralph I like when I first went to a press conference last year like something was just like 
right about her and her fit as a coach and the she way she talked coach, yeah. and the way she yeah. dealt with like uh, like I mean me as a student media you know person and like everyone she was so kind professional you could tell what she expected out of her team and you could tell that she connected with her players and that's what she has done and I think when we were predicting uh, everyone was predicting records for them this year it was not necessarily belief in like who we knew was going to be out on the court because we just we just didn't didn't know we hadn't seen certain players in the SEC. Yeah. There's a lot of freshmen, a lot of turnover, as you just said. But we had belief in Shea Ralph, and I think that's just like completely confirmed here. You know, you saw her talking about. I think it was against Samford. How the demeanor of the team. She felt like she just wanted to see like a winning mentality, and that kind of carries over from her days in UConn, both as a player and a coach. And that's this kind of stuff that I want to hear. Kind of stuff I want to see. This team is like killing it and it's led by Shay Ralph and obviously like huge shout outs to like Harbison and uh, Ryan Allen's been like super fun to watch so far. This whole team has been great, but um, definitely like wanted to single out and shout out like Ralph just because yeah. I think this has just been an amazing start and I'm excited for the future of this program. And and you see identity, especially with this team, like you're saying with Ralph, and that's led by Sasha Washington. There's yep. been there's yeah, so many. I should have mentioned her. So many injuries. I mean, you did a feature, I think, it was on Ayana Moore, and you think about Alexander, and you know these type of injuries are really you know season ending are supposed to be detrimental and supposed to you know end your program before the season ends. But Ralph really embraces that next man up mentality, and for Washington to be. Just a monster inside, averaging 11 points and 7.7 rebounds, along with 2.3 blocks, is really like the the type of leader you want when you're developing an identity. You know, yep, really um, disciplined, hard nosed in in the front court, and to have Sasha Washington there, a young sophomore, is really going to be helpful for Ralph down the line. I think we have to take for granted. You were you, you have to, you said it before. They haven't really been playing. Uh, the toughest opponents. We're gonna see what they how they fare yeah. in SEC play, but I'm confident with with this type of reps and this type of the way they're winning. Uh, it's definitely gonna bode well uh, next year in 2023. Yeah, I, I think that you guys are completely on in terms of you know Shea Ralph is a winner. I think that's been true in the entire time that she's been on West End, and you see that kind of trickle down to the players in her program, and whether it be the the transfers that she's picked out from the portal and the very specific roles that they filled, you know, yep. like you said, Aiden Harbison, who's kind of setting the tone at the top, or uh, Marnell um, Garad, who's, uh, you know, able to, to score from the outside. throwers from outside. Or, 50% from right. Injury. And be great defensively. Or it be, you know, the players who have been in the program a couple of years now, and you can tell they have that edge on defense. You can tell that they kind of have that nasty streak and yep. that, that um, same mindset that Ralph does. I think her just kind of uh, whole persona ha has really um, transformed this program, and it's been cool to see it, it manifest itself early on. You know, they play Austin P. we should say, in a couple hours here in what's been a 4-0 start and what we think could be, um, you know, 5-0 and before they go to Cancun for their Thanksgiving tournament. Yeah, and this defense uh, is something I also want to bring up because they have not allowed over 40% shooting in all four of their games, and they have, and they've themselves shot often over 50%. Um, I, I know that we said that they're not, they don't have the strongest non-conference schedule, and I think that's obviously true. But Columbia is a great win. Um, on I, the I road, don't, yeah, yeah, on the road. But they're also they had the best season in franchise history last year, and I think it's something that you can look at and be like, oh, it's an Ivy League, whatever. But like that's it's tough to go up there into New York and and beat a good team like that who has a lot of hope. And I think they showed that 
I mean, it's an important game early on in the season to get a win there. And, and I'll say the third game they played in six days, too. Yeah. That's a great point. Going back, funny enough, my dad works for Columbia, so I actually have watched a few of their <laughs> oh. women's basketball games. I was like 10 years old at the time. But it was a good environment. Your dad's getting a lot of run on the podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. They get fans out there. Um, and it's a good program. Like, they are consistently pretty solid. So I agree with you, Sam. It's, it's a good win. Yeah, well, some insider perspective there, though oh, yeah. potentially biased. But yeah, I think <laughs> I think we're all in agreement that you know, um, of all the programs that that we've talked about on the on the podcast this year, the women's basketball team that the Che Ralph is building is really fun to watch. Really fun to to kind of see her um, overachieve expectations consistently. Lastly, we've got um, for tomorrow uh, another team that's that's um, exceeded expectations. Our final soccer with Sam segment, we think. No, um, don't say unless that. Unless there's an no, emergency no, pod over Thanksgiving break next week. I, um, this, is, this team has championship DNA, man, I'm telling you. So we're going to get into it. Vanderbilt plays against Northwestern tomorrow in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Soccer with Sam, here we go. Give us the uh, give us the, the Start rundown. us off, Sam. Come on, man. Come on. That's a great win. That's a great win. Unbelievable over, win. Yeah. Are you kidding? Over, <laughs> over Clemson. Yep. Over Clemson. Uh, they're on such a hot streak. I mean, you know, you can talk about the Alabama game all you want. I, I put it up in my book as like a tie or a win over a, a really great team. And the Alabama, got, is, it's a win. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's not a win, it's the best loss that <laughs> any team's had all season. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, look, you've got a tough a tough flight out to LA. It's definitely going to be hard to um, adjust to to California. But then again, at least it's not in Evanston. Well, th- I was going to say, like, <laughs> it's what's not- wrong with Evanston? It's cold. No, <laughs> it's cold, man. Um, so, like the defense is playing lights out, and this is exactly what we talked about earlier in the year. You need your veterans to step up, and you're going to expect them to show up late in the year when you shorten your bench and you're not playing as many young players and you want them to be fresh because they've been subbed early in the year. And I think we talked about it like before. I think it was the first podcast. I I should have listened back, to be honest, but like I remember it vividly us saying that this team is built for the long haul. It's that built take for, aged like fine wine. I think many of our takes, have, we're going to talk about it, but yeah. I think many of our takes really on the podcast has been absolutely impeccable. You're mm. almost as good as Ambrose's squad. Yeah, almost, almost. Yeah, and Ambrose, yeah. by the way, like he got the red card against Alabama. He didn't even coach this game. He was watching <laughs> in the. He was watching from his car in the in the, uh, parking, in the lot. parking lot. And they still won. They still won. Shout out to Ambrose for that. Um, but he'll be back on the sidelines, and we're gonna need to see um, some more um, set piece goals. Yeah, which, they found their they found their keys to success, and it's really funny. It's something that uh, Anish and I talked about in our article that we just wrote. So go great check article. that out. Yeah. Um, but two things that have been really going wrong and that really went wrong in like the middle of the conference schedule was they could not convert on corner kicks and Peyton Cutshaw just could not find the goal. And she has five goals on the season and three of them have come in the past three games on set pieces, headers, corner kicks. Like they have figured it out. They have solved both problems in one fell swoop. Yeah. Get Peyton the ball on a corner kick. And put it on net. I mean, she had she. It's kind of crazy that that's been the solution, isn't it? Like the two problems just turned into one solution. Yeah, two wrongs make a right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like what you know, what are you gonna do once you have some a couple injuries to the attack, um, and you're finding ways to win latency? It was just about putting it on the net. Like she had, uh, you know, I'm looking at it now on the season, it's a thirty percent shots on goal, but I I think at one time it was, it was like fifteen or something. It was, like, yeah. it was and and like for reference, like you know, you you should. 
kind of average around 50, you know, the team average is 45% for under. So, um, and getting headers are, are, it's tough. It's tough to get them on net, but you know, now that they're, they're doing it with consistency, you see what opens up. And the most important thing is that they've come early and they've come and Vanderbilt is able to protect that lead yep. because of their defense. Their strength on defense. Yeah. Because of their defense. And you guys talked about it in your article and I'll bump it again because it's so true. The importance of getting out early yep. against Northwestern. Yeah, no, I agree. Because you get early, not necessarily parking the bus, but the defense can essentially just sit back and, and make plays. That's where, like... And that's you know, that's Maya the style Anton, that we've talked about yeah. Vanderbilt having the personnel to play. Yeah, no, and I agree with you. We It has aged like fine wine. You go up 1-0, 2-0, and you use that depth, and you can use, you know, defense really strong. Offensively, you can use the depth get players out on runs, use the counterattack, and you're just going to see success because this is not a team that's going to consistently let up a, more than a goal or two. Yep. All right. Well, in the next – anything else, Sam? Sorry. Well, I was just going to say this is not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Northwestern is battle-tested. They've played many ranked teams in the Big Ten yep. throughout the season, obviously getting a 3 nothing win in the first round of the tournament. But – and something I was surprised to see is that Vanderbilt has never before passed the second round of the NCAA yeah, tournament. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that on the website. I truly, truly, from the bottom of my heart, and I feel like we've been so right about everything with this team. I think that they are going to win this game. Okay, and I like that. Oh, two I guess nothing, two nothing. I, I, I got lost in the in all of the. Uh, it's almost another equinox that we have. It this is week. an equinox. Can Arguably we, a better can equinox. we before we go, Aiden, get a Florida prediction? Oh my God, that, you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I know. I've get, I'm putting you too much pressure here because I, I can't believe I almost forgot. I mean, we I'm gonna have to redo the episode if I had forgotten. Well, this is a terrible spot for me because Andrews put the headphones back on. He's ready to give a prediction as <laughs> I'm well. I'm ready. I'm ready. I had no optimism, and then they go and they beat Kentucky. Like I, I finally picked them. They're they gonna pull Aiden out. right back in here. They pulled me right back in. They sucked me back in. 27-24. Doors. Stamp oh, it. Oh, jeez, Aiden. Okay. Stamp it. Um, 42-21, Florida. I think no a, a dual threat quarterback against Vanderbilt's defense is gonna be uh not an not a recipe that bodes well for the Doors. I'll go 28-24 Florida. And once again, I little am bit alone. A little bit of snow. I well, would love for you to be right Once again. again, we root for Aiden to be right. Yep. Once again, it probably <laughs> won't be right. Yep. But I will say that was my first wrong prediction of the year. So no, it we wasn't. Got that. Oh, no, second, because yeah. I, I predicted a Missouri loss. Dang. Yeah. Was, it was also, you always you say that check, as if it's, it's my second loss, too. Oh, jeez. I don't even know. Can you cut that part? I don't, I don't I know. I can cut I that saying. part, yeah. Okay. So in the next 48 hours, we've got women's basketball against Austin P. We've got men's basketball against Moorhead State. We've got soccer against Northwestern in the NCAA tournament tomorrow, and then we've got football on uh, Saturday against beautiful, Florida. Beautiful thing. Can't barely even get it all out. And Huge weekend again on West End. We've got some wins and the cross-country championships. Um, thank you for listening in. This will be our last podcast before Thanksgiving break. There may be an emergency pod based on how all Depending these events on the results, go. Yeah. Please, please. Um, but thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, good luck to the doors this weekend.